welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. So I met a woman last week, or a couple weeks ago. Her name's Elvie. She's from Alcapuco. She has 12 siblings, and growing up, her family was very poor. So, impo- so poor, in fact, that her parents couldn't afford to keep all of them. And so when she was nine, she was uh, basically kicked out of the house. She had nowhere to go, and so she lived on the streets by herself, and she just fended for herself. And she had zero schooling all along the way. She met her ex-husband while she was on a bus when she was 11 years old, and three months later, she moved in with him. They were together for 30 years. They had four kids. Elvie is their, Elvis is their youngest. He's, thir- he's 17, sorry. And Elvie and her ex divorced when she gave birth to Elvis because her ex just didn't believe the boy was his. And since her divorce, Elvie and her kids started renting wherever they could find the cheapest rates. She stayed single because she wanted to focus on um, raising her family and raising her son. Last March, she finally gathered enough money to buy a plot of land, but she refuses to let her son Elvis drop out of school and um, help pay to build a house on it. She wants him to have the education that she was not able to have herself. They live in a single room that a friend lets them stay there for free. It's made of cinder block walls and a tarp roof, and whenever it rains, they get completely soaked. Six days a week, Elvie leaves the house at 6 a.m. for work and gets back at 11 p.m. from work. She makes $67 a week. She is the epitome of resilient. Time and time again, life has knocked her down, but she just keeps pressing forward. And a few weeks ago, Our team showed up to give her a hand up, not a handout. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for stories of perseverance, the way that they bolster our faith. I thank you for Elvie and Elvis and what they meant to not only our team down in Ensenada, but also now to our entire church family. I thank you that when we showed up there, Elvie didn't know who you were, and when we left, she invited you into her heart and into her home. We're in awe of the way that you reach down to us and reach out to us, God, and pray that uh, you would do that here right now. It's in Jesus' name, amen. So open up a Bible or an app to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be reading from verses 7 through 12 this morning, and if you're using a pew Bible, it's page 965. I taught from this same passage a few weeks ago at the men's retreat, but I want to approach it from a a different perspective this morning. And as many of you probably know, anytime you open up God's Word, uh, he, He shows you something different. So hopefully the same thing will happen this morning. Beginning in verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. 
always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Psychology Today explains resilience as that heavenly quality that allows some people to get knocked down by life and come back stronger than ever. Rather than letting failure overcome them and drain their resolve, they find a way to rise from the ashes. Psychologists have identified some of the factors that make someone resilient. Among them, a positive attitude, optimism, the ability to regulate emotions, and the ability to see a failure as a form of helpful feedback. Even after misfortune, resilient people are blessed with such an outlook that they are able to change course and then soldier on. I shared Elvie's story with you this morning because she is such a powerful example of perseverance. But I'm also in awe of the fact that this church family has demonstrated some of the very same character qualities. It should come as no surprise to most of you that these past two years at CPC have been somewhat bumpy. But amazing things have happened, but some really difficult ones as well. But when I look back on what has transpired, my mind doesn't go immediately to the obstacles. Instead, I cannot help but be inspired by the, the faithfulness of the people here. Now, I had made my mind up to preach on the topic of resilience even before I went down to Mexico. I just felt like God was putting it in on my heart to encourage you all in the way that you've been so committed to this church family. You've continued to invest your time and your resources. You have not wallowed in despair or allowed the enemy to get a foothold. And I believe it is because of your resilience that God is going to continue to bless this church and use it for his kingdom purposes. And if you weren't convinced of this already, then why are you here? No, I'm just kidding. That's not. <laughs> if you aren't convinced, let me, try to, let me try to share some knowledge with you. We finished this past year $250,000 up. This gave our session the confidence to increase our giving to missions even more in the upcoming fiscal year. Our percentage given to missionaries is the highest percentage I personally have ever seen a church give. That means we are able to do even more for Christ, both near and far. And speaking of our session, our elders have been some of the most dedicated people I have ever had the privilege of working with. Each of them is devoting dozens of hours a month to serve this church. Time that they could be spent working, being with their families, or something that not many people do anymore, just relaxing. And what about the rest of you? Well, Pastor Dorothy just compiled a list of all of the people in leadership positions at this church. Over 100 of you are serving Carmel Prez. That means our children, our students, small groups, families, our second half of lifers are all being well cared for. And if you feel that there are gaps, then we want to hear from you because we want you to fill the gaps. Do you hear that? I'm going to make you. Okay, good. So I'll be expecting those emails this week. 
I'll tell you how to get involved. All of this is to say that our church is absolutely positioned for great things. And if you're a visitor here this morning, then I would encourage you to stick around because it is going to be fun and it's going to be life-giving. But be forewarned, and this goes for everyone, it isn't going to be easy. It's going to be messy. You are going to want to disengage, pull back, maybe even go somewhere else. But that is the case for anything that is worth doing. Think about anything or anyone in your life that you truly love. That job, that sport, that relationship, even that hobby, all took an immense amount of blood, sweat, and tears. The same is true of our relationships with Jesus and his bride. So this morning's passage does not sugarcoat the truth about following Jesus. In 4.7, Paul writes that we are jars of clay. Such jars were just common um, aspects of everyday life in the ancient world. They were unexceptionable, they were affordable, disposable, and be they could be put to a wide variety of uses. There was nothing flashy about them, nothing that would distract from what the inside might contain. So God uses the frailty of human vessels, jars of clay, to advance the gospel. He, do, he does that in order to prove who the real source of power is. That's God himself. There are many ironies that are wrapped up in being a Christian, not least of which is that God delivers his glorious treasure in pots made of dirt, his transformative life in cracked and crumbling containers. Next, Paul says that we are afflicted in every way, and then he goes on to list both hardships that we might experience and how God helps in the midst of them. So the pattern is such. Paul lists an affliction, and then he puts it into perspective. That perspective is one which finds its foundation in the belief that God is good and that his grace and faithfulness are never ending. Therefore, we are afflicted, but we're not crushed or defeated. We are perplexed, which means we are baffled, confused, and uncertain at times. Sometimes we're at a loss concerning why something is taking place or how to respond, but not to the point that we are overcome by our despair. We are persecuted, mocked, and isolated by the world, but we are never abandoned by Jesus or his church. And finally, we are knocked down, but we are not terminated. Paul's use of knocked down comes from athletics or from the military context and essentially means that sometimes we're just beaten up, maybe even to the point of death, to being killed. How can that be? How can we be killed but not destroyed? We are eternal beings. Our current state is not our final state. We will live forever with Christ in heaven. Verses 10 through 12 point at the sobering truth that Jesus' death on the cross was actually the prerequisite for resurrection life. Jesus was struck down, but not destroyed. We must remember not one of these aspects of Jesus' story, but both of them. As a human, Jesus was a clay jar just like the rest of us, even 
capable of being killed. But as God, he was all-powerful, even capable of being resurrected. Furthermore, as our Savior demonstrated, we should lay down our lives so that the life of Jesus might be made known. God transports the treasure of the gospel via clay jars, and the jars, they, they become battered in the process. Paul and his co-workers, they were persecuted, and they were vulnerable, but the outcome was this rapid, vivid, amazing spreading of the gospel with its message of life. How important is the message of life? You could ask Mary Robinson about that. Mary is a pillar of this church and the Carmel community. She has been the epitome of resilience these past few weeks and months. Mary has been extremely close with the Ledbetter family for years. And if you do not know their story, let me just share it with you quickly. Brett, the father of Diesel, who's 12, and Alabama, who is 15, was diagnosed with colon cancer last spring. During the early stages of Brett's treatment, his wife, Becca, became bedridden with severe back pain. After months of unbearable pain, she finally went into the ER where they discovered a tumor in her lower back. She underwent three surgeries to remove the tumor along with radiation and chemo. On Tuesday, October 9th, Becca passed away after a valiant fight. Her final days and hours were spent in the company of her loved ones. And Brett continues to battle for his own life in the midst of what is unthinkable grief. And at the center of this devastating situation has been Mary Robinson. She and a few others spearheaded several campaigns and fundraisers in order to provide financially for the family. She's been a constant source of care and consistency for Diesel and Alabama, but she herself has been suffering too. She loved Becca. Mary has been afflicted in every way, but not crushed. She has certainly been perplexed and confused. She has surely wondered why God has allowed something so horrible to happen to such a wonderful family. Nevertheless, she has not been driven to despair. Several times over the past few weeks, Mary has been summoned to the hospital to be with Becca as she clinged to life. Each time she went with a heavy heart, but she still went. As a result of her resilience, Mary was able to be the hands and feet of Jesus as she shared the love of Christ and the promise of eternal life. And while Becca had already known Jesus as her savior, Mary's words under the direction of the Holy Spirit brought a supernatural peace to Becca in her final days. Becca had an assurance of faith in her salvation, and she knew that she would be in heaven with our Lord. So she was able to let go and trust God. This situation was a literal example of verse 12. So death is at work in us, but life in you. The truth is, every day, each and every one of us is closer to death. That's not the nice thing that you wanted to hear about when you came to church. 
We try to avoid that reality, but that doesn't make it any less real. So the fact that Paul calls humans jars of clay, that makes complete sense. We are, in fact, breakable and weak. From dust we came and to dust we shall return. Without God and without the promise that this world isn't the end all be all, then life would be meaningless. It would be completely random. But because Jesus grants us eternal life with him, then that gives purpose to our current lives and whatever circumstances we're facing right now. So death is at work in us, but real, meaningful, and abundant life is found in Christ. My brother has quite a few tattoos. They all have an explanation and a story. Um, So you can't really see this. He sent it to me this week. He's get, he told me he's getting old and flabby, so the letters kind of like started to mush together. That says unscathed. So it's unscathed. That word is on his forearm. And the narrative behind this particular tattoo is that, honestly, he was trying to convince himself of something. He was trying to declare that he was strong and unaffected. Unscathed means that you have not suffered any injury, damage, or harm. But the truth of the matter is, he had actually been extremely hurt by a woman that he loved, the mother of his firstborn son, who will always have a piece of his heart. And we're just like him. We're scathed too. And there is no sense in us trying to hide or deny it. We have scars. And why shouldn't we? Look at Jesus. When he comes back from the grave in the resurrected body, he still bears the wounds of the crucifixion. Resilience does not mean that we are blemish-free. It means that our defeats, losses, hardships, and inconceivable pains do not defeat us or define us. We are still here. We are still carrying the banner of Christ and proclaiming the resurrection truth. And we have the greatest treasure and the most powerful God living inside of us. The more we have faith in this, then the more we will be emboldened to keep on keeping on, even in the face of hardships. One such person who I admire for doing this day in and day out is Pastor Rick Duncan. Although Rick's not here this morning, I... I just want to take some time to commend him. Next Sunday will be his final sermon at CPC as our senior pastor, and we're going to celebrate him with all of the healthiest options of pizza and chocolate chip cookies, so I hope that you'll come. And I hope that you will make an effort to just give him a word of encouragement and affirmation. Rick has served this church longer than any other pastor. He has been here for 14 years, which is not only highly unusual for this particular congregation, it is also just, it's extremely rare across the country. And I've been so encouraged by the resilience of Pastor Rick. He told me just this past week that perseverance is something that he highly values because it's something that he didn't see in his dad, because it leads a person to more usefulness in God's kingdom. Rick has been used in a mighty way here. And what is so astounding about him to me is his integrity. They say integrity is what you do when nobody's watching. It takes an immense amount of character and resilience 
to consistently behave in a Christ-like manner, no matter what your circumstances are. Pastor Rick has just a crazy amount of integrity. He has been a constant role model for me these past couple of years as he is unwavering in his convictions. We have that in common, but he's, he's able to remain kind and thoughtful and humble. And I've, I've appreciated the way that he's invited me into the process in order to, to process life and ministry together. I've been encouraged by the lessons that he's taught me and the prayers that we've prayed for one another. And I'm, I'm going to be sad to see him go. But he left you and I a legacy, a legacy of resilience and character. When Pastor Rick says up front that he believes CPC's greatest years are ahead of us, he genuinely believes that. And so do I. But our best years, they don't just happen by accident. They happen when we pray, when we unify under the lordship of Jesus, and when we persist even when things get shaky. And this isn't just about Carmel Prez. This is about each of us in our individual lives as well. Truth be told, I understand that for some of you, this sermon and the biblical text has been kind of paradoxical this morning. You have heard this morning that you are weak, that you're broken and boring and you're wasting away. That's what you heard. If you didn't, you weren't listening. But I hope that you've also heard that you are chosen and that God will never abandon you. He sees us when we struggle. He knows when the odds are stacked against us and our doubts are making us want to quit. But he says, you're never going to be crushed or forsaken or destroyed. You've heard three stories of resilience this morning. A woman who had all the odds stacked against her but continued to press on in hopes of making a better life for her son. A saint of a kindergarten teacher who put her own heartache aside in order to join a suffering family and offer her presence and the gospel treasure. And a pastor who has faithfully and joyfully served this congregation for 14 years. So I hope that you can gain encouragement from each of these stories. I also hope that you will remember the following. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. James 1.12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Luke 21.19, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. In Romans 12.12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And these are just a few of the many passages and stories in the Bible that speak to the importance of us sticking with Jesus through thick and thin. But we can't do it alone. We need each other. Keep going. Keep on doing what so many of you are already doing. 
I am proud to be with you on this journey through life and faith. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving us the courage, the strength, the power to go on. Thank you that you join us when we are in our afflictions. Thank you that you have experienced everything that we have experienced. Thank you that you promised to never abandon us. And that it's as simple as declaring you as our Savior that, that grants us eternal life with you. A life where there's no more weeping or crying or conflict or tears. Just perfect shalom, perfect perfection. So Father, help us to trust you more. Help us to have the eyes to see the way you see. And help us to rally around one another, to encourage one, one another to stick it out. To stick out um, those relationships that might be causing problems, to stick out um, just our faith and this church. God, give us everything that we need to um, persevere. And Father, help us to just trust you in um, times when things are looking up and when times are difficult. And so we offer you right now a portion of our um, resources because you're so faithful to provide so much for us. We thank you for the way that you have shown up in this church and how you've multiplied um, your resources to do amazing things like um, we were able to do down in Ensenada for Elvie and Elvis. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.